it's Jen. It's time for us to take a selfish. In our last Just For Me episode, we walk through six steps to writing a vision statement, which actually was a follow-up to our Life Coach episode. If you haven't done so already, when you're finished here, scroll back a few episodes and take a listen. In the first one, we had my friend Beth Kale from Estuary Coaching talk to us about life coaching. And then in the Just For Me follow-up, I gave you six steps to follow to write your own vision statement. Well, today we're going to somewhat continue that conversation by talking about finding your purpose, specifically the Japanese concept of ikigai. If you're like I was, you're like, what? I've never heard of that. Well, today I was actually on campus, which is something that I do so very rarely anymore. Like I was in a dress and makeup, my hair was curled. That is definitely not the norm for me now that I teach 100% online, host a podcast, just me and my laptop and my mic up in my off away from everybody broadcasting nook. We, when we get to campus, we have to swipe our ID to get into our parking lot. And I kid you not, I am on campus so infrequently that when I swipe it, I always kind of hold my breath and I'm always somewhat surprised that it actually still works and they let me in. Anyway, I was on campus and I think the only thing that I really do miss about being in my office, I mean, other than it was a beautiful, sunny, breezy, warm spring day. So UNCW's campus itself is gorgeous, especially on a day like that. But the only thing that I do miss are the hallway conversations with colleagues. It's probably the main thing that has kept me in academia for so long. I learn new things constantly, and I love to learn new things. I mean, my colleagues are legitimately brilliant. Like every one of them is a legit expert in their area, which is really, really cool when you think about it. I mean, my pack of dogs are phenomenal coworkers, but they don't have a lot to talk about. And I love them and they snuggle with me, but they're not what I would call enlightening. Anyway, I happened upon one of these hallway conversations with my colleague, Dr. David Weber. All right, so let me give you a picture of Weber. Whereas when I tell people that I'm a professor, they give me that weird squinty head turn look and say, really? Huh? And then I got, you don't look like a professor or you don't seem like a professor. And I never really know how I'm supposed to take that. I mean, I've also been referred to as PhD Barbie more times than I can count, but We're going to put a pin in that one because that is content for a whole other episode. Back to Weber. He, on the other hand, is exactly what you would imagine if you were to close your eyes and imagine a professor. From the elbow patches to a fedora, even an ascot, and he pulls every one of them off like it was made for him. He has philosophical conversations in his office, writes lengthy and thorough emails, poses influential questions to his classes. He is, in a word, professorial. And he is the kind of person who would A, 
know the word ikigai, and B, just kind of slip it into conversation. I, however, am not. So when he used it, I had to get a lesson on what it was. And of course, and now I'm all into it. And I thought it was the perfect content for a Just For Me episode. So ikigai is the Japanese combination of two terms, iki, which means life, and gai, which means worth. So essentially, it means that which gives your life meaning or purpose. It's our reason for being. Ikigai evolved from the basic health and wellness principles of Japanese medicine, which typically, unlike much of Western medicine, Japanese principles typically assert that our physical well-being is affected by our mental, emotional health and our sense of, you guessed it, our sense of purpose in life. When we stop feeling a sense of purpose in our life, our health often pays the price. So ikigai is the state of well-being that arises from our devotion to activities that we enjoy and that bring us a sense of fulfillment. Now, keep in mind that Japan is a collectivist culture. So in line with that concept, yes, ikigai brings meaning, purpose, and fulfillment to our life, but it is not done without regard to others or society at large. Ikigai brings our life enjoyment and purpose while also contributing to the good of others. So it is the intersection of our passion, our talent, as well as that potential to benefit others. According to Japanese philosophies, we all have ikigai, and it's just a matter of finding it. They warn that this journey might require some time, deep reflection, and effort. But hey, that's kind of our jam here, right? All right, reframers, you can do this. Do you like that? I'm not sure. Reframers, I kind of think of like the framers of the Constitution, so I'm still brainstorming. But anyway, reframers, self-reflection is our thing, right? We can totally do this. As I found in my deep dive of internet research on Ikigai, the Ikigai diagram is apparently quite well known, despite the fact that it took me 47 years to discover it. It's a diagram that includes four overlapping spheres. Okay, I'll post it on my socials. I mean, you can just Google it too, but I'd really love for you to visit my socials. The diagram will be on the Reframing Me Facebook page and on the Instagram at Reframing Me. By the time this goes on the Instagram, on Instagram at Reframing Me by the time that this goes live. So anyway, the four spheres cover what you love, what you are good at, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for. And then right at the smack dab center of these four circles is our Ikigai. It involves how these four areas might overlap in our life. To complete your own diagram, you can draw the four circles. I'd suggest probably using a glass to trace, such as I use to trace with a knife when I make pierogies. Anyway, you can draw it or just print it out. Once you do this, you would fill in each sphere with relevant content based on your own experiences, self-knowledge, and your understanding. 
some things will be easy for you and others are going to take some much deeper reflection. Okay, so let's go through the four circles. First, you love it. What brings you joy? If you have been working with us on your reflections or on your vision statement, then you should have quite a head start on this one. What brings you joy in life? What makes you feel the most alive and fulfilled? For me, this is a super easy one. Okay, so I love parenting and I love talking to people and teaching them things, but I also love listening and learning about new things. I love research. I mean, I have spent 42 years in school, so kind of tracks. I feel the most alive when I am moving my body, running, cycling, lifting heavy weights, doing yoga, doing Pilates, boxing, walking. I just love anything that makes me feel active and strong and alive. I love to meditate and to reflect It brings me such joy to meditate, seriously. And I often make the potentially crazy statement that meditation gives me the same feeling that I have after flossing, like flossing your teeth. It's like I've just cleaned out all of the nooks and crannies of my soul like you do when you're flossing. Anyway, I love travel and I love nature, and if I can combine the two, even better, walking new cities, hiking in beautiful places, the beach, the mountains, far away exotic lands. But in the end, nothing brings me more joy than being at home in my house with my family and pets. Well, okay, so that was just off the top of my head while I was doing notes for this episode. I could obviously spend a lot more time and go much deeper, but I think you probably get the idea. Maybe you love dancing or sailing or writing short stories or reading poetry or playing guitar or golf or the violin. A key key element here is that you really think about what you love and what brings you joy. And it doesn't have anything to do with the other factors, like what you are good at or what the world needs or what you can get paid for. So if you love to sing, but like me, you are terrible at it, the world absolutely does not need you to do it. But you can still include it. You most definitely will not be paid for it. But again, At this point in the process, you put down singing because you love it. Okay, second, you are great at it. So this includes anything that you are particularly good at, any skills you have or hobbies you pursued, talents that you have. Maybe you play piano or you speak fluent French or are really empathetic or talented at capturing photos. Now, again, keep in mind that these are the things that you are good at. And again, it doesn't matter if you find joy in it or if the world needs it or if you can get paid for it. For me, this one is significantly harder than the last. And when I go to do my ikigai, I'm going to need to spend a lot more time on this one because reflecting on the things that I'm good at is okay for the things that I enjoy, but for the ones that I don't necessarily enjoy, it's much harder for me. 
I feel like my life has been so very busy for so very long that it's going to take a real deep dive for me to even think about it because I think in the recent years, I've cut out all of those things. So, I mean, I'm really good at doing cartwheels. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that I super enjoy doing cartwheels and I definitely don't think the world needs more cartwheels um, and I'm probably not going to get paid for it. But things that I'm good at that I enjoy are much easier, like yoga. I'm really good at yoga. I'm super flexible. I'm balanced. I'm centered. I enjoy yoga and I'm good at it. Funnily enough, I did try to be paid for it at one point. And well, that was not a good investment, but that is another item to put a pin in and use that story for when I do an episode on failure. The only thing that really jumps to mind immediately for me here is public speaking, especially on camera. I know that I'm good at public speaking. And I have been told numerous times by various people that I'm good on camera. However, I am much too self-conscious and critical, and I am very uncomfortable on camera. So I try to avoid it as much as possible. So that would probably be the first thing or only thing right now I can think of that I'm good at, but I don't enjoy. Right. Okay. So third the world needs it. Now, by that, it might be humanity as a whole or a specific tiny community that you're a part of or really anywhere in between. You might determine this by your own impressions of what you think others need, or it might come from people actually expressing that need. Maybe your church announced a need for volunteers at a parish event or you saw an email that the Y needs youth soccer coaches, or you heard friends talking about how they wish there was someone who could paint a portrait of their dog. This circle connects explicitly with doing good for others beyond our own needs. Now, this one, this one was super easy for me when I started thinking. This one, it jumps out at me so clearly, like it has a flashing light on the top, like a lighthouse. Okay, so COVID was obviously a weird time for everyone at every stage of life, duh. But for those in my mom's circle, it was weird for us because our kids jumped from being kids to being full-fledged teenagers, which meant that we went from pre-COVID being stand around together, helping out in a classroom or on the soccer field, knowing every one of our kids' friends, being part of everything our kids did, having these organic friendships with other moms that we saw every day because they were living the same life as we were absorbed with our kids. Okay. Then post-COVID, it was like snap a finger and now poof, we are high school moms who maybe get to drop off our kids as they like tuck and roll as quickly out of the car as possible so that no one sees them with us. And we never see other mothers and we are definitely not friends with other mothers because all we do is pass them possibly in the parking lot as their kids are tucking and rolling out of their cars. 
not being, you know, knowing much about their friends. I mean, some days, right? We feel like we barely know our own kids anymore, let alone their friends. Well, long description. Well, pretty damn long description. I felt this new teen independence and my own subsequent, like, for lack of a better word, loneliness, right? I mean, I felt cocooned off from everybody else. Like my world had gotten very small. My kids' world had gotten bigger, but my role in them was much smaller. What now? Well, I knew I couldn't be the only person who is feeling this way. And sure enough, every single, and I am not exaggerating, after things opened back up, like every single conversation that I had with the mom friends that I knew felt the same. They all had this idea of like, what happened? It was all so different. What do we do now? And that's where I saw the need. I saw that we all felt alone. We all felt lost, but we weren't really lost and we definitely weren't alone. And I was drawn to create a community to bring these women together and work on this self-discovery together. So I definitely have a clear answer to my, the world needs it, or at least a specific niche of moms of teens does for sure. And fourth, last, you are paid for it. This is the dimension that involves, is someone else willing to pay you for it? You might be super passionate about snorkeling, but that doesn't mean you can get paid for it. As I devote seemingly endless hours of work and recording and research and writing and editing on repeat to this podcast, this is, of course, my husband's question. How can you make money from it? Okay, so the Ikigai diagram is these four circles. Of course, the circles overlap, and each overlap has a meaning. At the intersection of the what you love and what you are good at, that's your passion. At the intersection of what you love and what the world needs, that's your mission. At the intersection of what the world needs and what you can get paid for, that's your vocation. At the intersection of what you are good at and what you can get paid for, that's your profession. Now, there is that one particular sweet spot, smack right dab in the middle, the intersection of the four circles. This is where something you are passionate about that you are also good at, that the world needs now, and that someone will pay you for. That, my darling reframers, reframingers, reframing anistas, reframing friends, sisters in reframing. This is your ikigai, your life meaning or purpose. And according to Japanese philosophy, or at least my very limited internet research on Japanese philosophy, this sweet spot is where you will find your true joy and purpose in life. And I do know that that, that is something that we all want to find. So this seems to be a perfect opportunity to take a selfish and spend a little time looking for your ikigai. Now that we know what it is and what we're looking for, right? 
See, it definitely pays for me to stop by campus once in a while. I guess they don't call it Institutes of Higher Learning for nothing, right? Okay, so thank you so much for listening today and for spending this time with me. Please remember to follow the show so that you don't miss out on new content. And if you got something out of this or another episode, please share it with your friends. That's how we are going to grow this wonderful community. Follow me on socials, on TikTok and Instagram at Reframing Me, and on Facebook, it's Reframing Me, and join the Facebook group, Reframing Me, the podcast community. And when you do go to my socials, please like or follow the show, and extra bonus points if you like my posts or videos too. I mean, not really, but it makes me feel nice. And welcome to our new listeners. Please go back and catch up on previous episodes. You can email me with questions or issues or ideas that you'd like me to cover in future episodes or with names for our community that don't sound like a bunch of old white men in wigs of the 1700s gathered around a table working by oil lamp. Email me at jen at reframing-me.com. Until next time, be well, communicate, and find your ikigai.